0: Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Baseball America Podcast. Along with J.J. Cooper, I'm John Manuel. It's Christmas week, and we're putting the finishing touches on the prospect handbook here at Baseball America Magazine. Jim Kallis is in the house. The Zach Greinke trade's going on. It's just crazy. It's an action-packed week. I'm shipping presents all over the country. J.J.'s got uh, all kinds of stuff going on. Family coming in. We know it's busy for you, too. So we appreciate you making some time for us here on the Baseball America Podcast. I want to remind you, we're brought to you by MLB Network. And we have a uh, Baseball America has an MLB Network offer, baseballamerica.com slash MLB Network for this four issues for $4 offer. We also want to tell you about our Baseball America books, J.J., the tape gun is in full effect. Ronnie McCabe is uh I can't believe we'd have ever picked it up in this room, to be honest with you. Yeah, the podcast obviously. the podcast nook. Yeah, we're we're all we're
1: one location where, you know, we ship out books from the same places we're putting all the, the books together. And so you can definitely hear Ronnie working the tape gun is uh yeah. he's shipping out book after book after book. And right it's a good now sound.
0: it's sound a, it's a sound of commerce. And
1: right now the, the the tape gun is at full speed because the baseball America Almanac, the first of our uh, off season books, is here. It's shipping out, so if you've ordered one, you'll be getting it very shortly. If you haven't ordered one and you want one, what are you waiting one, for? I was going to say you can. You, it is the chronicle of the 2010 season.
0: Really, just again, baseball at every level. Through and it's not even really through the lens of scouting and player development. It's just a report on what happened uh, internationally. I enjoyed writing up Cuba and the Netherlands and all the international leagues. Um, we write up every minor league, the major leagues. It's a great every record league. of everything to have in your hands uh the baseball america almanac really kind of the last book left of its kind as right. well let's, let's be let's be honest about it it's just what
1: the sporting news uh baseball Guide yeah. you know used to the guide really especially the one that right. did the the chronicle of the season that's it's kind of the the uh the ancestor of that i would say
0: yeah that that was our progenitor and we still crank out the almanac and like i said the editorial deadline this week is for the prospect handbook now the trade uh i mean the transactions deadline for the prospect handbook came and went about a week and a half ago, really the Monday after the winter meetings is when that uh, happened. So the Zach Greinke trade, uh, so for us, we're not constantly on the beat as far as that goes prospect handbook-wise, but we do have the trade breakdown on BaseballAmerica.com and a crazy weekend, J.J., with the, base, with, the with the Zach Greinke trade. Uh, kind of capping an action-packed off-season so far in Major League Baseball.
1: Absolutely, and uh, especially the timing of, of how it came out. I do want to point out, like, transaction deadline has passed for the handbook. At the same time, because the of issue. how, because of how it falls, the uh, when you do when we put the top ten, the Brewers' top ten up on the site, it will actually reflect this trade.
0: And that might be one of the worst top tens. Ever. It I mean, is. it's it's not uh, – it's one of the worst ones non-Astros related no, no but I can remember. I, thought, I was going to say, though, like we talked about the, the
1: Astros' top ten from last year is significantly better than this Brewers' top ten. Well,
0: I don't know. We'll see. We'll see The top how three out.
1: from that Astros' top ten last year, there's nothing to compare with it. In Jason
0: Ke- Castro, Gio Meyer, and who else? Jordan was Jordan Lyles. Jordan Lyles. Okay, well, Jordan Lyles is good. Gio Meyer had a pretty bad year this year. I, mean, I like Geo Meyer. He's no, still no, he did. I'm doing no, no. the Astros. I'm saying, but I'm saying, like, at the time so that we were ranking it. This, at the this time. new, I will say, see, here's the problem. Your new Brewers number one, do we, I don't know if we have any drum roll. but uh, this is, a is, fascinating is Mark one. Rogers. That and I to... love Mark Rogers, and I've always liked Mark Rogers. He's a long-toss monster, and I've always loved that Mark Rogers was a big, long-toss, supreme-athlete guy in Maine. And the Brewers screwed him up. There's no other way to put it. I'm sorry. Now, he had his own issues. He throws across his body. But you still picked him fifth overall in the draft when he threw across his body. He threw across his body in the first pitch out of his hand. The high school season in Maine was 96 miles an hour. So clearly that throwing across his body stuff was working for Mark Rogers. So I don't know why you take that away from him. I'll never understand that. And who do I trust more? The guys who say – Long toss, build up your arm strength, and, and who do I trust more? A guy with that kind of arm strength and athleticism, let's leave long tossing out of it. A guy with that kind of athleticism where he was like a Division One soccer recruit and a University of Miami recruit from Maine, remember, for baseball. And a guy with that kind of, I mean, played, played hockey as well, and that kind of arm strength and athleticism, do I trust him? Or do I trust the Brewers track record of p- developing pitchers in the last 30 or 40 years? Not to mention this current administration. I trust that arm strength and athleticism. That's a no-brainer. So I still like Mark Rogers, and I think it's awesome that he came back but to the big leagues. That being said, but <laughs> that's
1: the longest gap between number be one. That's the longest gap between. Gotta be not longest gap for
0: a guy to be number one. Was he ever
1: number one before? I thought he was number one in their system back in like 2005 or
0: six. I don't think so because they had uh, they had Gallardo. They had, uh, but they also had uh, Ryan Braun. Don't forget. Brian yeah. Braun's are 2005. Their next year's first-round pick was slightly better, and they had Ryan Braun in five and uh, Jeremy Jefferson. Right. With the right. Sixth first-rounder, who's also traded the, this deal.
1: The, the fascinating part of this is
0: that – Let's look that up. He, uh, I think the, Mark the, the Rogers, magic of the
1: interwebs. Mark Rogers. Mark Rogers is never their number one
0: no? prospect. It's, uh, been <laughs> it's a rogues gallery. <laughs> Since Ben – well, Nick Noogie Boogie, Noogie Bauer in 2000. Ben Sheets, then Boogie Flower again in 2002. There's that pitching track record we talked about. Brad Nelson, Captain Caveman in 2003. Ricky Weeks for two years. Prince Fielder, Yo Gallardo. That's a pretty good run. Matt Laporta, and then Alcides Escobar twice. And Escobar involved in this trade. So Escobar, Kane, if you've been living under a rock lately. Uh, Alcides Escobar, Lorenzo Kane, Jake Goderizzi, uh, who was this year's number two prospect when the when it was first turned in, then number one after Brett Lowry was traded, and then Jeremy Jeffress again a 2006 first round pick. So, Mark Rogers 2000. There aren't that many 2004 draft guys in the book, JJ at all.
1: Uh, no, I was going to say most. And here's a guy who's number one. Most every 2004 draftee at this point, their fate has been determined. Yes. you're
0: either an established
1: big leaguer, or, or you're, you're kind of not like not going to be an established mm, big leaguer.
0: You're available in the Rule Five for the second time. Right, <laughs> that kind of guy. I mean,
1: you know, so. Yes, he's he's a
0: fascinating case as a number one. That's. I mean, do I think he's going to make it and be an impact big leaguer? I'm not going to rule it out. I'm not. Not going to rule it out. I saw him in the big leagues. I saw his his big league debut. It was Mark Rogers. Inefficient. Um, <laughs> a lot of pitches, but pretty wicked stuff. No. I, I think I, you know he's he's got a ch- I still think he has a chance to be. I don't know. Like in my mind, I'm sure there's a more recent example. Help me out, but. I think he has a chance to be like one of these starting pitchers like Bobby Witt was in his heyday where he's got big-time stuff and that every once in a while he flashes, wow, knockout stuff. You know what I mean? And but, then in between, but in between he's going to have these four-inning, eight-walk abominations. And I think that could be Mark Rogers. What does that make his ceiling? I don't know. That, may, but, that
1: makes his ceiling essentially a number four starter who uh, always tantalizes you and probably you know, never – I mean, if it's Bobby Witt, it's large stretches of in eating innings. But
0: I think just the fact that he got to the major leagues last year was a great accomplishment. I mean, because we're I mean, talking so Mark Rogers. Not,
1: yeah, we're talking about a guy who who was there's a gap. There's a yeah. massive gap in his career.
0: It's not Josh uh, Hamilton, but it's not far off. It's not four years, but it was two years of basically nothing. I mean, he didn't pitch essentially for two years because he was always hurt. And to go from that and get back to the big leagues in September, I thought was awesome. That was feel-good enough. It's not a good sign when you're the number one prospect. And but I still think great trade for Milwaukee and, and potentially a decent trade for Kansas City. But I think no matter – yeah, I think let's, we'll, we'll let's talk see, let's a lot let's, about the, the, the let's, Kansas City part.
1: Let's talk about the Brewers let's, let's part first. Let's talk about the Brewers part first. So the thing with the Brewers is, yes, their farm system's gutted. But you know what? This is why you gut a farm system. Correct. To gut a farm system, to fix—they have fixed as well as they can their biggest problem at the big leagues,
0: which has always been pitching because they can't develop it themselves. Giovanni Gallardo, pretty much the only example uh, since ben, ben
1: Sheets. Well, I was gonna say Ben Sheets, whenever he was healthy too.
0: Right. I mean, he was Ben Sheets was a great development, great job. They drafted the right guy. Was tenth overall, got him to the big leagues quick, and he was good for them for a long time. That's and, and Gallardo, great story. A little unconventional guy with a little drop and drive and kind of high arm slot and all that. And, you know, when they drafted him, they were like, well, I don't know about this drop and drive. Lucky for them, they left him alone. But now they, they trade Brett Lowry for Sean Markham. I like Sean Markham. I don't like him as much as some people do because the fastball velocity is the fastball velocity. It's like a 45 ish fastball. But he's athletic. He makes pitches. Uh, the change up's a difference maker for him. I think he's he slots in very well as a national league. Number three starter, JJ. Now you got Greinke, Gallardo, Markham, Randy Wolf. That's a nice foursome. That's a better rotation than pretty much anybody in the National League Central has, other than the Cardinals. So to me, the Brewers aren't a lock to win the National League Central, but I think they're co favorites right now with St. Louis after that trade.
1: They have to be considered you know, a definite contender, which that's the thing that the last couple of years, really, what it's always come down to is well, if the Brewers could get any pitching, they should be right there. Right, they never and have gotten any pitching.
0: They never have, and now they they should have pitching, and it's the last year of Prince Fielder's contract. I don't see them dealing Prince Fielder now, do you? This looks like they're all in, going forward, trying to convince Prince Fielder stay here, maybe for a little bit of a Milwaukee Brewer discount. We're all the hey, we're also going to find twenty five guys are going to go down like bowling pins when you hit the <laughs> home plate, you know. Um, but obviously, offensively, uh, they're going to have to go find. Uh, well, they'll probably go find a new shortstop because Yunessky Betancourt. So. That instantly, they instantly turned shortstop where they didn't get a lot of offensive production. No into, offensive production at all. Right, right, and then, honestly, almost like go, they need to go get Craig Council back. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he'd be nice insurance to have for UNESCO Betancourt if they can fit Craig Counsel back in there. But Casey McGee has done it for two years. Nice grinder, third baseman, solid production there. Ricky Weeks, despite the strikeout, the strikeouts really came into his own. It's almost like Ricky Weeks should go play for the Diamondbacks. You know, he's a perfect Diamondbacks player. A lot of home runs, walks, strikeouts. Fielder, obviously Ryan Braun. They still have Corey Hart, correct? Carlos Gomez, I guess, goes into center goes field. Goes into center field, yeah. Uh, Jonathan Lucroy established himself as a decent option behind the plate. Low-cost option, that's part of it. And those four starters, John Axford kind of really helps solidify the back of their bullpen. Uh, Zach Braddock, they've got some arms up there, you know, who've come along. I I I like the Brewers. I like their I like their team. I think they're gonna challenge St. Louis in two thousand eleven.
1: Well the key thing is is in all these trades, again, they did gut the farm system. But they gutted the farm system and really I would say that the only guy who you say really hurts them significantly at the big league level that they traded away is Escobar.
0: Right. Right now, yes, because Kane was better than Lorenzo than Carlos Gomez, but they do have another option in center field. Again, at shortstop, we're talking about Betancourt, just not a championship profile player. And while Escobar wasn't that in 2010, that the potential is there for him to be a championship profile, especially a defender right. at shortstop. And he does, you know, I think he had. I mean, he had, the guy hit an empty 290, but 290 in his minor league career. I think it's conceivable that when this guy's at his peak, he's going to hit like a 260 to 280. It'll be empty. He's not going to hit for a lot of power. He's not going to have a ton of walks. He'll steal you 15 to 20 bases. And again, to me, he's an 8 or 9 hole hitter, 9 hole in the American League. But he's a guy who can steal you some bases. I think his offensive profile, at its best, is not far off of what Elvis Andrews did in 2010. The difference between those two players, to me, is the makeup. He doesn't have Elvis Andrews's leadership and capabilities or just exce- exceptional makeup. In fact, they're, they're consistent makeup questions about Alcides Escobar.
1: And, and the other difference is is that Andrus is doing that. What we saw from Andrus is Andrus is a 20. You know, is is 2021. Four, yeah, yeah, 2021. You're talking four years difference, roughly. So with Escobar, you're going to see the the ceiling is significantly lower from the standpoint of. Look, Escobar at his best is going to be an offensive minus, probably. Yeah, I think that's fair.
0: But even at his best. But
1: if he's you know, especially in the in this next, you know, in this new decade, you know, we're not talking about everyone has a guy who puts up a, a 120 OPS plus while right. playing good shortstop. Right. That doesn't you don't see that as much anymore.
0: No, you're not going to see that at all.
1: Right, and that being the case, you can say, hey, if you play, you know, if you're a 60 defender, especially if you're a 70 defender you could make up for, you know, that make you can live with that. And that's clearly what the Royals are thinking here. But, again, with the Brewers, they traded away some talent in these deals. You know, there's no doubt about that. But, I, I yeah, you can't not like this for the Brewers, I don't think, because even in a best-case scenario of holding on to those guys, what you would have done is you would have held on, you can hold on to all these guys, and in doing so made your team maybe a little bit better in 2012, 13, and beyond. Right. But... You're going to lose a Prince Fielder and guys like that, and all you're doing is this. So essentially your your hope then is to get back to where you
0: are now. Right. Now, I agree. I think that they, I think Doug Melvin and company correctly assessed. This is a time for us to go for it. This is a time for us to make this kind of a move. And pitchers like Zach Greinke don't go on the market too often. And then the other part of it, JJ, I think you and I we talked about it off air. I know you and Jim Callis, even last week. Uh, you know, Jim talked. me and Jim talked about it yesterday when we found out about the trade. You know, he, Jim was like, boy, it took way too much of my time thinking about this uh, in the middle of editing the prospect handbook, but it's fun to think about. There really weren't a lot of teams that could match what Milwaukee did. We have some Twitter questions about it, uh, at Baseball America, or at Coop 36 or at John Manuel BA, um, where people, you where know, fans are saying, well, could our team have done this? For example, uh, Doug, a Mets fan, Doug Plourd, I don't know how you pronounce that, Doug P. Lord, I don't know. Uh, if Mets would have been willing to spend, would Newin, Captain Kirk, Nguyen uh Henry, Henry Mejia, uh, Reese Havens, and Uris Familia have been a better package for the Royals? The answer is no. No. Uh, There's no shortstop like, like, in there. A, Familia and Mejia. I like Mejia. Familia is just like a, an arm strength. He's not even Jeremy Jeffress. No, he's not close to Jeremy Jeffress. He, well, he's close because he throws that hard, but, no, he's but he's not, not close, close to as accomplished or as good. Right. Um, like he's a that, nice offensive second baseman, but not a shortstop. If
1: you took that and you went player by player, you'd say, okay, Escobar is greater than Haven's. Yes. Okay. Kane, Nuenheis, considering what the Royals need, are about equal because Kane can play center. I don't think you could really say that Nuenheis is...
0: It depends on who you talk to. Nuenheis can't play center field in City Field. There's no way. That's just too big but I think at a different ballpark I think he can do it. You know, but but he got Aaron Roy, Rowan comps. If his high end is a left-handed hitting Aaron Rowland, um I think his likelihood of being that's like 25 to 30%. Right. So yeah, so, okay. yeah, so, so be so, Kane so, is greater than I'd say.
1: Okay. But let's even say equal. Okay. We're being very charitable. Yeah. Here. Okay. Then, ha-
0: Havens is more equal to Escobar, in my mind, than Nuenheis is to Kane, but, but we're getting on But and,
1: and I was going to say, and really with that, when you're talking about what the Royals need, Reese Havens is nothing correct. what the Royals need. The I Royals have, have that guy twice
0: over. Yeah, you're right. He they, might be Johnny Giavatella. Right. And they have beyond they have that... They have it three times have, over. Mike Aviles.
1: Yeah. Mike Aviles, Christian Colon, Johnny Giavatella.
0: Right. right. Offensive second baseman, off we're covers base, Correct. And um, Havens might not even stick at second.
1: Right. So, okay. Then you go uh, Mejia... Mejia versus Oderizzi. You got closer to the big league. Yeah, I, I thought you would find some people who'd rather have Mejia. I'll give you that one. You know. And then Familia Jefferis, I don't not think even there's even. To no, me. no. Yeah, I mean Jeffreth. Jeffreth
0: Familia is fun to watch, but he's more like a Henry Rodriguez type. Who the A's hey, trade Henry Rodriguez to? Pirates. Can, yeah, I mean it's
1: I mean, like it's, it's
0: just not.
1: It's not, not. Yeah, it's not the. Yeah. So. uh... No, I got. We got another question yeah. along those lines. So does no the
0: Mets package no not close.
1: Um, MLB reports uh, tweeted uh, compare Granky and Markham Trafe. I like Lowry more than anyone that the in the hall than the Hall Casey got for Granky. Am I nuts?
0: Yes, you are nuts. I like Brett Lowry, but even I mean Brett Lowry's not a lock to stay at second base. Not for me. He's a bat with he's a bat finding a position. He's exactly, and you know if he's a right fielder. Lorenzo Cain might have almost as much value as Brett Lowry. I think Brett Lowry's gonna hit. I mean, he's gonna hit.
1: I would say I'd rather have Lowry. I'd rather than have Kane. Brett Lowry. Yeah, Lowry. I don't think Kane the gap
0: is. is huge. And you're talking about three other guys. I mean, I like Sean Markham. That was a. I was almost surprised at how little uh, the Blue Jays got for Sean Markham. I like Brett Lowry, but he's not an established big leaguer. And I, I like I like, I like that a, trade for
1: the Blue Jays. though. How much
0: better is Brett Lowry, you think, than Aaron Hill? Aaron Hill had a bad 2010, but he was. Pretty great in 2009. Guy hit like 40 doubles and 30 home runs at second base. He's more athletic mm-hmm. than Brett Lowry, I think. He's a better defender at second base. I, I was stunned that in, in a way that that was what they got for Sean Markham. I thought the lure of getting a, a good Canadian like Brett Lowry kind of made the Blue Jays tip that in their favor as far as wanting to get Brett Lowry. But... Man, I like I like Sean Markham. I like I, Sean Markham a lot.
1: I think Markham going to the NL, getting out of the ALE, right. is going to be a, a nice little boost. Like, hey, That's I true. you know. I, I thought
0: it was a sign that they, that the Brewers. You know, I thought it was a good trade for the Brewers. I don't know if it was, again I thought the I thought the, I think the Brewers won both those trades just on that they need pitching. They got two American League pitchers coming to the National League, and those are one and three starters. That, it's hard to get, and to get a third starter for a minor league, second baseman, even albeit an offensive second baseman. I thought that to me that's kind of a coup.
1: With Laurie, you're you're talking about it comes it all comes down to projection because he's always been young for the league he's been in. Right. And if you think he can stick at I mean, they <laughs> there's been suggestions of multiple premium positions where he could stick. Right. We've yet to see whether he can. But if he can, then you are talking about you know but I think that a lot of his value does depend on not being, you know, shifted. Like I, I know we have reports to say he could handle a corner outfield spot. He'd right. still hit enough to do it, but his value does go down because then, I mean, he's never put up the kind of year yet, at least, to say he's a true premium. Like, okay, it doesn't matter where he plays; his bat right. will just carry him.
0: By the way, on the Twitter as we're recording this podcast, Brewers agreed to terms with Craig Council on one year deal. <laughs> that is called being prepared and covering your bases, Doug Melvin. Doug Melvin's got a pretty nice track record. Baltimore, Texas, they win the playoffs all the time when he was general manager in Texas. They didn't win playoff series, but he did a nice job there and he's done a nice job in Milwaukee. So best Canadian general manager ever, Doug Melvin. I don't know if there's ever been another Canadian general manager, but now let's okay. So now let's look at it. Let's so take for it for the Brewers, we like this. Yes, I don't think Great things, it's a good job. Um, I will. Mark Rogers, I think their number two prospect right now uh, might Cody, be Kentrell Cody, Davis.
1: Cody Scarpetta, I think. Okay, I think it's it, uh, Co- no, Cody Scarpetta. Let, this just gives you an idea. Okay. And it like,
0: it's like Kentrell Davis, it's like Scooter Jeanette. And we're talking about uh, Matt Miller, who was like their fifth-round pick this year, might be sneaking into the back of their top ten. But
1: this gives you an idea of how bereft of talent this is now. Like, and,
0: and, and the big thing is they, make all these, they made these trades, which I think we both think good trades for the Brewers. So they're getting their farm system and at the same time through no fault of their own I've taught the Bruce Slide about this, I want to stress this again. <laughs> through no fault of their own, they didn't sign their first round pick this year. Circumstances conspired to work against the Brewers. They took a, a consensus first rounder in Dylan Covey. He you know, he struggled down the stretch of the regular season. They aren't really allowed really to negotiate with them until the last weekend because if you're going to sign a guy over sly, MLB doesn't want you to announce it before that. And then when he does his physical, oh my goodness, the reason you were falling apart toward the end of the year is you have juvenile diabetes. I mean, that's just a terrible break. If that had been discovered earlier, maybe Dylan Covey has the summer to adjust to it and decides to sign. Or maybe, okay, it's earlier. We are going to, we're going to throw some of this money at other players further down our draft list. Very difficult situation for the Brewers is not their fault—they didn't, fault. right. the didn't sign their first rounder, right? But the fact remains that didn't sign their first rounder. What Dylan Covey would—if you had a <laughs> sign first rounder to be number one right now—would cushion the blow a little bit. Is all I'm saying. And it, so it's a double kind of a whammy for their farm system. And very good chance they're going to rank 30th in the prospect handbook uh, or in the organization rankings, the talent rankings. Although I think actually in the handbook. They'll still have all these players they traded, so they won't rank them. Not
1: everyone. They'll have, they, will they'll have, have, they, they won't have, have the, the guys. The two guys. They won't
0: have are... Lowry, but they will have Jeffress and Odorizzi. Uh, Odorizzi that's right. On to okay. the Royals, your expertise.
1: So looking at it from the Royals' standpoint, the the first thing I think you have to say, we, we talked about it a little bit, the Royals wanted quite clearly that they wanted to fix holes that they saw in what's a very deep system. If you look at it, there are very few players – on the current big league roster that the Royals, I think, or anyone looking at it would say, these guys are going to be part of a playoff team.
0: Correct. And, and, there, and the other thing that obviously tied their hands, JJ, was Zach Greinke. He seemed like he had no interest in signing an and, extension there. And not
1: only that, but when he came out and said, you know, I've seen both ways. I've seen the argument, well, yes, he came out demanding a trade, but you know what, you still got him for two years, and so you can just keep throwing him out there. That's true. At the same time, it always, when a player does that, and especially when he has a 15-team no-trade list, yeah.
0: you are better off, I
1: mean, you are you making a deal quickly where he may bend on that because the Brewers were on that no-trade list. Maybe a little better than saying, no, we're just going to stick keep you, and then he sticks with his 15-team no-trade list in at the deadline or next year. Right. Which... You want to talk about reducing your ability to, to deal a guy. Yeah, 15-team trade, no trade. I mean, you've got 14 teams to talk to.
0: Yeah, that would have been a little bit of a challenge. I, I understand why they traded him now. I've gone both ways on that one, uh, just like I think I might have just gone both ways on the, on Sean Markham. I do like Sean Markham. I'm just a little bit surprised. That, uh, I, I understand why. I, I think I almost talked on both sides of my mouth on that one. But getting back to Greinke, uh to me, I, I would have waited, J.J., because if you're looking so specifically – at shortstop and center field and up-the-middle positions. I think one of the things we've talked about this offseason is there's just not a great pool of players of that caliber in the minor leagues. And I might have waited to see what developed. I might have waited to see, um, you know, at this time last year, Jonathan VR was not considered one of the best shortstops in the minor leagues. Right. Now he is. I mean, uh, heck, last year I got his name wrong. It was MLB Advanced Media had him his last letter as an N, so he was Jonathan Villain. Instead of Jonathan VR, which would have been cooler to It'll be, be uh, Jonathan Villain. Villain, villain just villain. robbed another exactly. would base have, hit. Exactly. It would have been tremendous. But, I mean, like, so so to me, that's the benefit maybe would have been of waiting. I, under, I think your point is correct. You may have constricted your trade market for Zach Grinke by waiting, but you also may have expanded it if you had other potential trade partners who had shortstops at the upper levels and if you're looking specifically well, for a shortstop.
1: And really then the question becomes, I mean, Really the trade the question becomes, do you trade for positions or would you rather just get the best hall of talent you can? Because the problem is is that the best hall of talent, if it's like if they just said, Okay, we're looking to acquire players and the best hall of talent is to give an example, and it looks like the Yankees weren't really in this, but Jesus Montero, who I think we all agree is a I mean that's, that's the kind of the cornerstone, in the minor leagues that's the cornerstone prospect that you want. If you can get a cornerstone prospect like that in a trade, right. you really are building it around something. A great start.
0: I think so, I man. A guy who's hit at AAA, he's young, he looks like an impact big leaguer. Now, is he going to be a catcher? We don't know. He's going to make an impact with his bat in the major leagues. I think we're pretty confident about that.
1: That being said, okay, he would, Montero, if you're saying best talent, getting a guy like Montero would be huge. If you are the Royals, and you get Montero, and he can't stick at catcher. What do you do with him? You are talking about that you may have a situation where you have Billy Butler, Eric Hosmer, Will Myers, and Mike Moustakis, who are all these kind of big bat corner guys who, realistically, Moustakis is the only guy who's not either a corner outfielder or a first baseman or a DH, and you can only play a certain number of those. Right, right. Um, What they did clearly is that they said, okay, we we want a shortstop, which – Plus defensive shortstop. Did I mean we had talked about this when I was doing the best tools for the Royals? Does not exist in their system beyond guys that they signed who you know are 16 right now.
0: Who who'd you put for best defensive? Oh, for best defensive infielder? Who'd you put? Uh,
1: Christian Cologne. No, no, because Cologne's only. I mean, Cologne at shortstop is.
0: Fringe average a or average. Forty
1: five to fifty five, depending on like right. the, the worst How many case,
0: points do you give him for savvy?
1: Right. The worst case scenario is he's a below average defensive shortstop. The best case scenario is he's really average, but we give him we, we give him a half a grade more because right. he just knows how to play the game.
0: And most big league managers want a sixty shortstop. Right. They don't want a fifty. They want a well, you could be a fifty shortstop if you hit like Derek Jeter or used to hit or, you know, right. those kind of things.
1: But, but here's what this does, this trade does. Okay, they may not move him immediately, but Christian Colon's going to second base.
0: More than likely, sure. I mean, I, unless, hey, Escobar expect, unless Escobar bombs. falls on his face, That's
1: right. he's moving to second base eventually. Well, what that does for you is if you have Escobar who, whatever you think about the bat, the you know scouting projections for him have always been that you're talking about an above average defensive shortstop. Right. I mean, the question with him has always been long term: is he a 60 or, or is he better than? Yeah, exactly. Him? You know, but so above average defensive shortstop. Cologne moves to second. At second base, there's a pretty general consensus. And hey, this is he's some playmaker. some projection because he's a shortstop right now. But the pr- consensus is is that you're talking about a guy who could be an above average defensive second baseman.
0: He's got tremendous hands. This whole question is. How big is his lower half going to get? How quick are his feet going to remain? But, I mean, he's always been underrated by area scouts. Right. There's no other way to put it. I love Christian Cologne.
1: But so so you could have plus defensive shortstop, plus defensive second baseman. Eric Hosmer at first can be a plus defensive first baseman. Right. So all of a sudden, by moving one, instead of it being a potential, Moustakis, I'd I say the general consensus is, is that if he's a fifty at third, you're doing well.
0: Right. I think I think if he's a forty five, you're doing well. I think he, he, he's gonna have to hit to stay at third base. Right. I think the longer the more he hits, the longer he stays at third base. And he's but, gonna have to work on it. But his arm strength is gonna allow him he has limited range. Whatever balls he gets to, his arm allows him to make plays. I think that gets underrated right. when people talk about his defense. He can have just below average range and be good because he's gonna make the plays on the balls he gets to. So I love right. I I like Mike Masakis. It's not just because he's Greek.
1: But So what you're looking at then is, is that without this trade, you would be looking at a 2012-2013 lineup that, say, has Mustakas at third, Colonna at short, Johnny Giovatella at second, Hosmer or, at or first.
0: Uh, Mike or Mike
1: Or Micah But you could be looking at, like, a 45 at third, a 45, a 45 at short, at a, short a 45 at second, and, a, say, a 55-60 at That's first. A great point. Well, if you're bringing up... And they, I mean, hey, their 2012 rotation could
0: be all lefties just about. But it also could be all rookies. Let's not forget, but I think it's, uh, do not forget that their top pitching prospects are almost all left-handed. Yeah. John Lamb, Mike Montgomery, Danny Duffy,
1: and Chris Dwyer. Their top four pitching prospects are all left-handed Right. Starters. I
0: mean, the only, the only top pitcher they have who's right-handed, who's at a higher level, is Aaron Crow, and he's coming off a pretty bad year. So right. you're talking about you really need the left side of your infield. To be good, and I I, I, I think that hasn't been talked about or written about, that I've seen any of this. You've got a lot of left-handed pitchers who are coming. You hope two or three of those guys are going to be in your rotation by the time you're good and uh, well, you, that you need a shortstop. That's the bottom line. And, and to
1: put an, another analogy to it, I mean, you know, it's a running, you know, joke or whatever you want to call it, and the, you know, but – there's a very much of a Braves background in the Royal system, yeah. and you see, you know, like, ex braves you know, rotate through, you know, like, if a Brave – Jeff Francoeur yeah. signing
0: there was, like, the biggest, like, non-surprise ever. Ever,
1: But that being said, okay, this is a group that, you know, there's a lot of guys who came up under Scherholtz. If you look at what Sherholtz did when he left the Royals to come yep. to the Braves, the yep. first thing he did he said, young starting pitching,
0: Raphael, Belliard. Raphael <laughs>
1: Belliard, Terry Pendleton, Sid Breen. That's right. And what they That's said right. is, is, okay, what we're going to do. I mean, they had a shortstop. Jeff Louser, ten times better hitter than Raphael Belliard ever dreamed of being. Correct. But you, had, you went, okay, do we want to put out the 210-hitting 65-70 shortstop yep. defensively? Or do we want to put out the solid-hitting 40-45, you know, shortstop? Sure yeah. And they said, no, we want – I mean, with Pendleton, Belliard, Bream, then they said, okay, we're above average and defensively. Mark And Lemke. Yeah. They were above average defensively across the infield, yep. and their thought was that'll help this young pitching staff. Well, clearly that's what the Royals are planning to do here. Now let's say this. This 2011 Royals roster is now – Epically bad.
0: Yeah, who's your leadoff man in that? Uh, you've got a projected uh, lineup Micah there. Uh, Mike, you got uh, Gordon left, Kane in center. Who's in right? Oh, Frenchy. Francour. Oh man, Frenchy might hit three home on his team. That's <laughs> no, 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 Billy not Butler. True. Billy Butler. Who will hit? Who will ground into? Now, who's their catcher right now? Is it Jason? Lucas May, Bray okay. and Pena, uh, and
1: you could throw Manny Pena into that uh, mix.
0: Okay. Wilson Benamit might be their three-hole hitter on this team, too. He'll be the third baseman. Escobar at short. Aviles, Aviles at second.
1: Or Chris Getz.
0: Butler slash Kila Kahui, Kahui at D8 in first base. And, and a
1: rotation of probably Hochaver, yeah, Hochaver Davies, mesh, me, O'Sullivan. mesh, O'Sullivan, Mazzaro. Wow.
0: Yeah, it's not looking great. Don't Hurry up now and get your 2011 Royal Season I, I tickets. I thought about this. 2000... What they should do is, like, you get priority for 2013 <laughs> if you buy 2011 season tickets. That I, would be I, awesome. I thought
1: about it. It's like, every, for every 2011 season ticket you buy, we give you half off of a 2012 season ticket. I'm saying like, 13, when we're actually going to be good. But you know what?
0: 12 will be interesting. 12 will be interesting. I agree. This and this year's team, this 2011 team could uh rival the 2010 but Pirates for rem- 105 losses.
1: But do remember one thing about that. Okay, Royals are getting Don't gonna-
0: forget we left out Melky. Melky will be in that mix number two. Not Melky Mesa, Melky. Melky Cabrera. But who you- now is the, in my mind the lesser Melky?
1: But you also are talking this they're going to have another high pick in the upcoming draft. And with this roster, I think you can very safely say they'll have a high pick in the 2012 draft. I agree. So they're mm, gonna have the top
0: of that 2012 draft. Anyway, go ahead.
1: But but they're gonna have the ability to add a couple more players, you know, that slot in with this. I mean, it's gonna be a fascinating experiment to watch because you really could argue that everyone we just talked about, that Billy Butler, is potentially the only player that we're talking about from that group the 2011 roster. Yeah. You're not kind of not kind of the bullpen. If Joaquin Soria is there, Joaquin right. Soria is the closer. you are talking about
0: the everyday lineup. The
1: everyday lineup. You very well could be talking that, you know, cuz I mean Lorenzo Kane's not a slam dunk that he's going to be their long-term center fielder.
0: No, and they have they've been trying to they've been searching for center fielders I mean, JJ, you do their top ten every year. They 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 have more like 80 runners who they think can play center field than any organization. They, I mean, like at the Derek upper Robinson. levels. At the
1: upper levels, you have. I mean, like they got Gregor Blanco already, who is a plus defensive center fielder. They brought in, you know, so he's probably he's in the mix to battle for a backup job probably now. They have Jared Dyson who'll be at AAA now. They have Derek Robinson who. I mean, the problem is they got is they got Derek Robinson and Dyson both probably are at AAA now. Right. Right. Um, And then beyond that, they have about 72 other guys who could win track meets. I mean, it's, yeah. (laughs) But Billy Butler is potentially the only regular on that who will be a part of their future. But at the same time, if you look at that, I believe that the only money that they have locked up for 2012 right now is Joaquin Soria. Now, they've got other guys they have under control, but the only long-term contract left, I think because I think Mesh comes off after 2011. I think you're right. And so Joaquim Soria, who's on a very team-friendly deal contract-wise, is the only money they have committed to 2012. Wow. So what that also does mean is with this roster in 2013, which I think everyone agrees is the year that if everything broke for them, it all comes together. Well, if they still have a hole left out there, they could spend $15 million on a guy.
0: That's a good point. They're, they've they got some uh, flexibility on their budget as well as uh, now. I think a roster that it, it does make more sense. Do, how confident are you, JJ, in Dayton Moore's ability to fill those holes at the major league level correctly? Because well, right now, I think that Dayton Moore's track record as general manager since 2006 has been pretty good at overseeing scouting and player development, I think Barry, putting a plan in yeah. place there, and building a minor league system. They had. A lot of things go wrong in 2009, but a lot of those same prospects went right in 2010. They were the number one uh, farm system before this, uh, before this trade, and now they're and now even more distance between them and everyone else. Adding Oda Rizzi and, and to a lesser extent Jeffries, but now uh, what is your? his track record on the major league level is bad. There's oh yeah. no other way to put it. He seems like he doesn't understand on base percentage. I hate to sound like Rob Nyer here, but I think Rob makes good points he really doesn't seem to understand that the more you get on base and the fewer outs you make, the more likely your team is to score runs. He doesn't seem like he gets that. and I'll it's say, almost like he rejects it. Well, I was going to say, the last year or – I'll almost
1: give a pass to some of the moves in the last year because I, don't, I think they've been more understandable. Like, you know, the Jeff Francoeur move can be mocked, understandably. The Melky Cabrera move can be mocked. But at the same time, if you're talking about one-year low-money deals for guys, if you – you're basically tr- filling spots and also trying to find a shiny bobble that someone else will trade. That you know right. you may be able to trade, tr- which is what they did last year with Scott Pesednik, which they you know what they did with Rick Ankiel. Those like of Jose
0: Guillen, though. I mean, like, but before that, contract. I was
1: going to say before that there have been tra- you new know, moves that that aren't nearly as defensible. Jose Guillen is not a defensible you know contract. Um, I mean, trading for UNESCO Betancourt and coming out and saying here's why we're trading for Betancourt when the consensus, not just, we're not just talking about, you know, writers writing about it from afar. We're talking about the consensus in the industry was, right. what are they what? seeing in Betancourt? Because we don't see it. Right. And right. the problem is, is that when you make moves like that and they turn out, you get to write to say, hey, we were right. You know, the Giants made some moves last year that, you know, are, you know, we're taking flyers on guys. And you're like, well, what? You know, they worked right. out. Right. It did work out. You get to then say, hey, well, we knew something everyone else didn't. Right.
0: Or he, just to acknowledge you were lucky, but yes.
1: But in Betancourt's case, you don't get to make that argument when you say, no, 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 he's better than the perception that everyone else has out there. And, oh, yeah, by the way, everyone else is, was ended up being proven right.
0: Yeah, that's it. I, the, I, I, I don't necessarily have a lot of confidence in Dayton Moore's ability to fill those holes. So it does seem like he's going to be given the chance, though, hey. by ownership, to still be the guy making those calls. When that farm system comes to fruition. I and think I'll, I'll say this,
1: but you know what? I do think if you build a farm system like they've built, I mean, it, it's amazing that you can be in year five and get that, that kind of rope to kind of, you know, that, that length of time to do this. I agree. But that also says something for the farm system he's built. I think and he gets the credit for that.
0: I, I, I agree. I, to me, if I were the owner of the uh, Royals, first of all, I'd be rich as I'll get out. It'd yes. be great to have all that Walmart money. Second of all, though, um, I, I, I think I would really scrutinize these next two years, not from a win and loss standpoint, but from a process standpoint, I think you want to see as ownership, is Dayton Moore learning from his mistakes? Or is he going to make more Jose Guillen mistakes? Or is he going to keep on thinking, even if it's just a placeholder for this year, that that placeholder should be Jeff Francoeur or Melky Mesa, I mean Melky Cabrera, are these guys who clearly don't, know how to not be out machines you know is he getting better and then because you don't want to waste all that talent so you you give date more that chance to learn from those mistakes he's made and to reap the benefits of this farm system he's built but just because he built that farm system he doesn't have carte blanche to be that guy who makes those moves in 2012 2011 not for me if i'm ownership i think they have to really honestly scrutinize what he's doing the next two years and prove that he can fill those holes and spend that money that you're going to have when these contracts come out. And I think one of the things we both would like to see is, okay, we're not going to contend the next two years. We're acknowledging that. Let's see how good Yoakim Soria can be. Let's see if he can be a big league starter. Certainly, pitchers have transitioned from closer to starter at the big league level, whether they've done it before or you know, or have it. I mean, C.J. Wilson, started in the minor leagues, reliever in the big leagues, back to starter. I mean, like... Let's see if Joachim Soria can do it, and he certainly has the repertoire for it, and you have a, get a lot more value out of him as a starter <laughs> than you do as a reliever. And guess what? If it doesn't work, put him back in the bullpen.
1: And he still has the same value there.
0: Yeah. I mean, I and the reality
1: is that, that, look, closing games this year is not going to be a particularly important thing for the 2011 Royals. Because Correct. Because we're not talking about you're – you're talking about the difference between winning – you know, sixty-five and seventy games, or seventy and seventy-five, or uh, fifty-five and 60. generous I Yeah, mean, fifty-five and sixty you know, sounds about more right. You know, but but the thing about it is, is that what's interesting is, is that when you, you all your points are, are are good points. At the same time, though, they have built a farm system now, where two thousand twelve at least is primarily not going to be acquiring guys to fill holes because first you need to figure out which guys you need to fill the holes for because right. they now. You know, I'm assuming, let's assume that Will Myers moves to the outfield. Because I think that's a, a, at least a relatively safe assumption that that's going to happen.
0: I Yeah, I almost wonder, with these trades, if that's, if they're gonna be, maybe that buys Will Myers' time I mean, at catcher. Because you know, if it's not can. like you're going to be rushing him to the big leagues by 2012 to see if you can win while you have Grinke. Right. No, if you
1: can, hold off. I mean, that then fills the last, because then you have two guys. Cause the, the I still thing,
0: like Salvador Perez, too. Right,
1: I was going to say, then you have two guys at catcher. You know, you have May and Pena and those kind of guys to kind of fill the hole for now. But really what you have then is, is, okay, you say Myers and, you know, and Perez at catcher. You have Hosmer coming up first, which you already have Billy Butler. So you have uh, – what I'm saying is, is you. one of the things they really have that is useful is a lot of positions, like with the pitching staff, they're going to have seven, options seven to eight guys to try to find five. Well, that's – much give you a much higher likelihood of finding five. I agree because
0: they're in a good. They're in a good position. They're not going to have that many holes to fill. That said, I still think they're going to have I, I, all knows. Exactly. There's going to be some attrition here. And I, I, I just would. I'm not saying Dayton Moore is not the right guy. I'm saying you have to. If he, right now, he doesn't look like he's that guy. Right. He, you have to fill some of that. JJ, the last thing I think we should probably talk about is
1: we got we got to hit the prospects a little bit. Like we haven't really talked about like. Just a quick run through that. Okay, if you were re-ranking the Royals now,
0: yeah, yeah. where do you put the, where do you put those guys? And to me, I'm not sure Jeremy Jeffress makes that top ten. He's he, at the back of he's that. He's a 10. ten at the best. Is he ahead of Aaron Crow or behind Aaron Crow for you? That's tough. I would probably. He's still younger than Aaron Crow. I mean, four years out from high school, he's still younger. I think he's a good two years younger than Aaron Crow. I, I was thinking about that. I I, I, Odor,
1: uh, I would say that you put Odorizzi at like. Probably nine, I would say he goes right behind Chris Dwyer. Like if I compare him and Chris Dwyer, I'd rather have Chris Dwyer right now. He's left-handed. Okay, Dwyer. I know I'm I'm a bigger Dwyer yes, believer than you. You are, but Dwyer is not much old You know,
0: well, oh yeah, he is. He's two years <laughs> older. two years older. I think. Yeah, he's a couple of years older. He's a 2000. He was a 2009 high school draft yeah. at age 20. Oda Rizzi was a 2008 high school draft at age 18. So but, then you've got even if Rizzi had gone to 13th right. grade, like like Chris Dwyer did, actually he went to like grade 14. But, I know I'm making too much of yeah. that, but yeah, he's two years. But, younger.
1: Le- but lefty versus righty, and I I really believe you know plus fastball plus curveball. I, I like that.
0: Not happy with. I'm not a Chris Dwyer believer in the command. Not a believer in the pitchability. ability. So you would put him
1: above Dwyer. I, would put I him think right Chris after.
0: Dwyer might be a relief pitcher. But I think he could be a power reliever. But I don't see like how Chris Dwyer is a. I think he's going to wind up a reliever. But, and Jake Odorizzi's athleticism and field of pitch makes him, to me, a number hey, two. Dwyer's athleticism two the is
1: right there with – I mean, you're talking – no, it uh, is. We'll, we'll see. You I'm know, not a
0: believer in that either. But not to the, not the scouts I talked to last year. He has some athletic ability. He's bigger, more physical guy than Jake Odorizzi. I don't think he's as, I don't think it's a fluid okay, – I don't think he's a fluid athlete.
1: You would have him ahead, but would you – so you would put him at probably eight. Or would you put him ahead of Duffy?
0: I think I would put Jake Odorizzi ahead of Danny Duffy as well, I like Danny Duffy, but I like Jake Oda quite a bit. I mean he's on low wave versus right. the guys that's good where, a where a, I'm also airing his but list. he's also more he's athletic and I like Chris Duffy, but you know sometimes yeah. his stuff's kinda all over the board, and he's he quit one time. I mean that doesn't mean that he's gonna quit again, but yeah, I like Oda so to me Oda would go at seven ahead of Duffy, Duffy would and go I, to eight, Dwyer would go to nine, but you did the Royals, and so I would say I, well I, but I put I, him you, at nine, you know and
1: I' put him at nine, but that's you know that's just different you know right
0: um. And so then, all three of those guys are really good prospects, right. and
1: all three would be number one for all th- the Brewers. And all three are top hundred guys.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. There's no
1: doubt about that. Okay, so, so that Aaron being said, Aaron Crow
0: present. at ten or Jake or Jeremy, J- Jeffers. Or Jeremy Jeffress, who uh, a scout who was at the Rising Stars game, told me that Jeremy Jeffress and Chris Carpenter in that inning, I thought Carpenter peaked at ninety nine. He said that Carpenter hit hundred on his gun, and that that was the first inning ever you seen seeing guys on the top half and bottom half of an inning both hit 100 miles an hour, with Jeremy Jeffers at 101 and Carpenter at 99 slash 100. I mean, That's really, when it comes this guy's been doing this scouting since like in the late 70s.
1: I could see the argument either way. I'll say this: as a consensus, I would probably say that that Jeffers would be 10, Crow would be 11 there, because like if you said, okay, let's talk about top 100 guys. I think Jeffers has a better chance of cracking our top 100 than Crow. Because of the bad, how bad the season was that Crow had, I'd
0: it's a probably really tough call.
1: I mean, really, I think that they're they're on that borderline right together. Now, the the interesting thing with if that Jeffers is, Jefferson's
0: is actually only about a year younger than Crow, like thirteen months. The
1: interesting thing with that is, is that you're talking about two guys who conceivably are both cusp of the top hundred guys. Yeah, which. So what you're saying but is so the is Royals,
0: Brett and so is Jason Adam. Right.
1: The Royals could have somewhere between
0: nine. nine I think
1: is the safe. I mean, like they're going to have nine guys in the top hundred. Eight or nine, yeah. You yeah. Know. And then on the if everything broke for them, which probably won't, but to twelve.
0: Because who would be your 13 guy right now? It's like Yasmani, no. Uh,
1: well, Cuthbert was 13 before, but he moves down, so it was uh Jason Adam and Brett Ibner, So that's
0: Ibner was 10. Well,
1: I, one of these Adam is going to be 11. 11. One of these is going to be 11. Eibner's
0: going to be 11. Adam's going to No, be I'm saying
1: Jefferson or is going to be 11. Oh, yeah. So then Ibner, <laughs> then Adam, 13, 13. then Chesler Cuthbert, 14.
0: I thought you had uh, – who was the Arizona League Oh, no, pitcher? Tim
1: Collins. No, Tim Collins will be <laughs> – Tim Collins is, uh, would be 14, Chesler Cuthbert, 15.
0: Who's the Arizona League pitchers, the hard-throwing little guys that you had? Oh, those
1: are like 16 and 17, and they would be <laughs> – I'm serious when I say this. I'm not joking. They might be number one in the Brewers' system. That
0: would be close to it. That would be really close to it. Robinson, Yambadi. Would you rather have Robinson, Robinson Yambadi, or would you rather have Mark Rogers? I bet if you pulled the 30 organization, you'd probably get 20 bodies Absolutely. I mean. You might get 25. <laughs> They'd be probably, I mean, the number 15
1: or 16, Jordani Ventura, number 16 in the Royals. is he like 5'11",
0: yeah. Ventura? Those, but, and throws but 99. 90, 99 with like a hellacious breakup right? Right, right. You're talking about that. The number six. I'm not the laugh. The
1: number sixteen prospect in the Royal system could be number one in the Brewers system.
0: That's where we are. But the Brewers are going to win probably thirty or forty yeah. more games in the major leagues than the Royals in 2011 and maybe 2012 as well. Which, you know, which would you rather have? I'd rather be a Brewers fan right now than a Royals right. fan. So I'm, but hey, i But hey, I think hey I'll say this though. It's, it's a great trade to talk about for us. But if
1: I'm the Royal, if I'm a Royals fan. I'd much rather be talking about this team going forward than I would about the 2004, five, six, seven, eight, yeah. because that's a good point. At least there's a you know, there, you know there's you know, the, the, Royals really fans the last... always talk about there's the process. Well, but you know what? There is a process compared to the idea of hey, if we sign Gilmesh and Jose Guillen, we're right there. Or right, you know,
0: that's the thing. Hey, if that... we can
1: hang on to Carlos Beltran for one more year and maybe everything else breaks right. In
0: the past decade. The Royals really were like, we really need Alex Gordon to come through. And this is what we were talking about before. We've got to have these couple of guys come through. And right now they have like 15 guys. If one guy
1: fails, the next guy has to step up. Yes. What, now, the one thing before we run that I did also want that, that you talked about, you know, you're know, you hearing now about Jeffress's makeup. You're hearing about Escobar's makeup. But I know that you have a take on this with this trade, that like, they're not the only makeup that should be talked about.
0: Well, yeah. Well, with Zach, with Zach Greinke, I don't, I don't know if you call him makeup, but I mean, it, clearly, uh, he's had uh, mental health issues in the past. The way to talk about it. it, and it is health. It is a medical issue. It's certainly you can do more about what Zach Greinke has experienced. We seem like we know a little bit more about that than just being a jerk. You know, if Alcides Escobar is a jerk uncoachable, these kind of things. That's not likely to change. Maybe the guy will grow up. I was going to say, the one thing I'll say is that... he could grow up about that time, he might also be expensive.
1: Right. You know? That that is true. You're always on that balance, but... uh, Zach
0: Gronke, it seems like he can be helped through his mental health issues, but I think it's still an issue. And to me, it's a bigger concern than Jeremy Jeffers smoking weed. I, I think it's a bigger issue.
1: But for me, but, I'm... And I'm, let's clarify on this, that one thing with that is is that, yes, if Jeremy Jeffress was not on the 40-man roster, Jeremy Jeffress would be one bad test away. One
0: toke away from getting a... A lifetime, a lifetime minor band. league ban. Now, let's hope that the Royals know this right. and keep him in the major leagues next no, year.
1: All he has to do is be on the 40-man.
0: Okay, just on the 40-man. As okay. long as
1: he's on the 40-man, though, Major yeah. League, <laughs> you know, the Union, you cannot test for marijuana. Yeah. So, it's like... It's like
0: he's in the NBA or
1: something. So, basically... That becomes as much as that would be a problem if he was just a minor leaguer, and this is one of the loopholes we're talking about. Even when he got hit with the the second suspension, was like, well, you know what? The Brewers could always do if he gets hit with a third, you just put him on the forty man, and everything's solved. Because, you know, okay, well, you know, now he couldn't pitch in the minors, didn't though. That would be the one thing. Now he won't even have to worry about that because he doesn't risk run the risk of invoking the third test.
0: Right, right. One one last thing to mention about this um, trade, to me. Is, I do think it's interesting that the Royals manager, Ned Yost, saw most of these guys. He didn't right. see Oda Rizzi. I think he was the manager in 2008 when they drafted Oda Rizzi. But like, they were in the middle of a pennant race that right. year. But he but knows like Escobar. Go, he knows he, Kane. Correct. He, he knows Jeffress. Right. I I I don't think that's a small – I don't think it's insignificant. I don't think it's a huge factor. But I don't think it hurts when you talk about Escobar's makeup. These guys. Right. When you talk about Escobar's makeup, he knows Escobar. And he doesn't know him great, but he probably can – talk to Brewer's player to play with him and say, hey, let's help me out a little bit here. Let's figure this out. So, yeah, I I think that's a not insignificant part of it. And Joe Posnanski has a post, by the way, online where uh, I think it's pretty interesting where uh, I always like to see these kind of things. He says, okay, Alcides Escobar was once the top-rated shortstop by Baseball America in their top 100. Uh, Who are the other guys who've been the top-rated shortstops in the last decade? What's their track record? Those guys include Brandon Wood, Justin Upton, Joel Guzman, B.J. Upton, Jose Reyes, Wilson Betemit, uh, Antonio Perez, and Rafael Forcal. pretty mixed bag. That's probably you've got a
1: 50-50 shot there of getting a good, solid long-term. I think he tells big you leader.
0: how hard it is to develop a shortstop, And then he says that uh, he was also the number eight prospect in our Midwest League top 20 this year. Well, what is that track record? Who are the top? Who are the last number eight prospects in the Midwest League? Which I think is pretty arbitrary. That list's actually a little better. Um, he's going back to 2006 to 2002 for some reason. Shinsu Chu, Felix P. A. Ian Kinsler, Anthony Swarzak, Wade Davis, three out of five. There's pretty good, in my opinion. So, um, um, I think that's kind of fascinating. And I did have one, I like being the measuring stick for that.
1: Because one more question: We're going on a long podcast, but we were fired up to talk about yeah, this. Yeah, I didn't
0: realize how long. It's Tony
1: been. uh tweeted, uh, ask: As the Royals are set up for 2011, who are some of the top talent the Royals can look forward to drafting with the t- number one pick in 2012?
0: Well, that's what I'm actually trying to think of. I'm, I was trying to think off the top of my head. The thing is, our college. Uh, our top freshman last year is a draft-eligible sophomore this year in Matt Perk. So that doesn't help me out a little bit. I can tell you there were four. If you're looking for guys you might draft high, look at the University of Florida. They had four freshman All-Americans in 2010. Was just look, they needed a catcher. At, There's another catcher right Looking there. at that team, here's some possible candidates from the college side. I don't have the high school 2012 right. class off the top of my head. Kenny DeKroger, Stanford. Going to play shortstop this year, played third base as a freshman, unsigned second-round pick of the Tampa Bay Rays, athletic the Diamond player. I'm kind of a Kenny DeKroger fan. Uh, Austin Maddox of Florida. Caught some in high school, third base last year, first base as well, get a DH and third base this year. Um, he hit 17 home runs as a freshman. I don't know that he's a 1-1 type of guy, right, but cause you're... he's got big, big power, as much power as any as anybody's got really in, the, in, in college. Um, and you have Kyle Hansen, Justin Jones at Cal. We'll watch for Justin Jones, pretty good left-hander. Uh, Was 10 and 2, 4.22 plus. He's going to be a free agent in college baseball terms, more than likely at the end of the 2011 season with Cal. This is probably going to be Cal's last season of baseball unless they raise a ton of money. Dark horse, not a number, not a one-one guy, but one of my favorite 2012 college guys, Marcus Stroman, little five-foot-ten right-hander but- at Duke who's gotten Tom Gordon and a few Tim Lincecum comps for being so short, so athletic, and so easy with plus velocity.
1: The, the fair thing to say is is that there's not right now the clear guy that jumps out like no. there have been the last couple of drafts. No, there's like not a knew, you, Bryce yeah. Harper, whatever draft Bryce Harper was going to be in, he was likely going to be 1-1. Anthony Rendon, is, you know, and we've, yeah, been, talking, and when we've yeah. been talking about Garrett Cole, we've been talking about those guys since they basically, you know, arrived in college.
0: Right. So. I think on our Prospects Plus website we do have um, some 2012 lists um, that are I, I should have looked at first. That because that, we have been looking ahead, um, but that's one we're gonna have to post that answer on Twitter or on Facebook.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll reply on uh, on Twitter and yeah, Facebook. I'll just go
0: ahead and do that on Twitter. That's a great idea. But thanks for the question. great question. And I think we're pretty much done. I think we've said all we had to say about this trade, which is uh, which was a lot. But uh, for J.J. Cooper, happy holidays, J.J., to you. Uh, We'll see you all week, but to our listeners, obviously. And uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. We'll see you, I believe, in two weeks on the next Baseball America podcast here at BaseballAmerica.com. Until then, so long, everybody.